What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, fresh off yesterday's 19-16 overtime win. What a wonderful afternoon it was in Nashville, Tennessee for the third straight year with three different starting quarterbacks the Texans beat the Tennessee Titans in 2021. It was Trod Taylor, 22 was Davis Mills, and yesterday it was Case Keenum being the star, well, one of the stars, man, so many of them. Denzel Perryman, Christian Harris, Jalen Petrie, Malik Collins, John Grenard, Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown, Devin Singletary, offensive line, everybody. Stings, two pass breakups, Nelson's interception. I mean, everybody played a role in this one. Um, but good to see the Texans get a win. They moved to 8-6. and six. They are tied atop the AFC South. How about that? Tied atop the AFC South with the Jags and the Colts. Now, the Jags kind of have a, a, a leg up on either or on both the Colts and the Texans. So, Week 18 is looming very, very large, but not going to worry about that. Going to focus on Week 16. That's going to be the Cleveland Browns. And on tonight's show, we're going to focus on our guys. We're going to hear first from our pal Andre Ware, who started the show off with uh, an apology of sorts. Well, Dre, here we are a day later, still smiling. Bring your thoughts after a good night's sleep. A nice win after traveling to Nashville. Playoff run is we're set to make. This is awesome. This is awesome. And, and Mark, I got to apologize for being unprofessional yesterday, but I was a little <laughs> excited. I was clapping. I was screaming. I was I mean, everything that I probably shouldn't do. But, hell, we haven't been in this spot in a minute, so I let it rip yesterday. <laughs> you know I love you. Let's let it rip, man. Okay. Get the emotions flying. So along that, along those lines, Dre, I was talking about this earlier. Three of us are having this conversation on the bus, and I, I look at both of y'all and I say, hey, where does that one rank? And, and you immediately said, oh, that's top three. And I was kind of thinking very similar. And Mark was like, no, no, no. Like, no, you can't I always you feel can't like you got to wait. You, you gotta, we got to wait. And then I realized, okay, both of us – you grew up in Dickinson. Mark got to Houston as fast as he could. But you grew up in Dickinson. I grew up in Richmond-Rosenberg. It yep. felt like that hit a little bit harder for that reason. Like, that was the Oilers, that we beat that team that left us, et cetera. Is that kind of where the emotion came from from all of this yesterday? I think so, uh, Johnny. When you look at it, <clears throat> it was one thing to wear the uniforms. It's, it's another and a totally different deal when you turn the entire stadium into the Astrodome without a roof. Right. Uh, and that's what basically it was. I mean, it was it was one of those deals where um, you get to the stadium, and I couldn't believe my eyes. It was like, this is unbelievable. I, the uniforms look nice, but then the whole stadium looked that way. And I, I was like, okay, this is rubbing your face in it just a little too much. And yesterday, I think, kind of missed the mark a little bit. But I know she wanted to return the colors, the name, all of it to Houston. And egos just kind of got in the way of that happening. Well, you know, the fact that you just pointed it out that way, that you tried to turn the stadium into the Astrodome without the roof. And then I think about you, Dre, playing so many big games in your yeah. career in Absolutely. that building. Yeah. And yep. and wearing, you know, Case talked about it after the game, wearing Houston on the uniform means a lot to him because he's done it for so long in college and well, in the, the NFL. It, it's, it's crazy. The, the Astrodome, when we played there, you know, on Sundays, it was the House of Pain. And then on Saturdays, if we had a, a home game there, we called it the Warehouse. 
it was awesome. So mm -hmm. to walk in and see, and then there was still Oiler stuff in there, obviously, yeah. when uh, when we would go in and play. So, you know, you you want to grow up, you want to play in the Dome. All of that stuff was kind of mixed in there. But to see that yesterday, I was like, well, boy, we missed the mark on this one. Yeah, well, got the win, and it's funny because I don't know if it affects the players too much. Obviously, it affected Case and maybe a few other guys, and yep. we'd have to ask everybody individually. I know the coach was affected by it when we broke mm -hmm. the news to him on Monday last yeah. week that, that the Texans would be playing a, a team that's wearing Oiler uniforms. That, but, Johnny, what you just said, the fans are affected. Okay, mm -hmm. what this means to the Houston fans to see the Texans beat a team wearing those uniforms that's incredibly powerful. So, yeah, it ranks very high. And then the context of the season, Trey, what about that part of it? You have so many guys banged up. You have Case Keenum playing quarterback. You have Singletary running for over 100. You have a semi-historic sack performance mm -hmm. by the squad. You have all of that going. And you hold Derrick Henry to less than nothing. Less yeah. than nothing. 20 touches, 10 yards. Never been done that's in NFL great. history, Dre. 20 touches, that's Crazy. Ten yards. I, I tell you what, the defense played out of its mind. Uh, but I, I'll go back to one thing that Mark started with. I think yesterday, what yesterday did was if there were Oiler fans still in the city of Houston, it forced you to, to, to make a choice. If you were Oiler <laughs> Texan, you know, that guy, it forced it. And because of the uniform, it brought it all back. And, and all of a sudden, you, I, I can guarantee those fans that were split are, are now true Texan fans that are that are all the way on board uh, after yesterday. But <clears throat> in terms of the game in, in, in itself, I thought the defense, if we're going to, you know, anoint praise on anybody in this, it's the defense. They deserve about 75% of the praise that uh, that we're giving out because of the way they play. Seven sacks. When, when Robert gave me that stat yesterday after the game and we're going through post-game stuff, I had no idea they had gotten to Will Levis seven times. Uh, then you throw in a turnover, the Steven Nelson interception, and they turned them over. So, And then countless amounts of times where they had to have big stops, they were able to step up and do it. Uh, motor, at the just the right time and sticking with it, Bob, Bob, Slowick sticking with the run. Later in the game, they had worn Tennessee's front seven down, and they were a motor. All of a sudden, he got himself going, busting up big runs in overtime. It was just a total team effort. You look at what was out, what was missing from this team, there's no way I thought they could go into Tennessee and actually pull out a win. I thought they could keep it close, but I didn't know that they could actually go in there and, and squeak out a win. That, my friends, that's coaching. That's belief in the game plan. That's what a good coach will do for a football team. Mm. We got to witness that yesterday. A lot of guys come in here, and we've had guys like Bill o I'll call his name, Bill O'Brien. He was the benefactor of a good team that was – already running from Gary and took it and, and elevated it or re, restarted it, so to speak. But this was a, and I, I, nobody's ever said it. This is pretty much a total rebuild that D'Amico Ryan's took over and look what it, look what he's doing in his first year. Yeah. It's been incredible to watch. We kind of danced around it a little bit, Dre, you know, talking about all the different things. How about the fact that Case Keenum hasn't lost a start in 10 years for the Texans? That's kind of nice. Along those lines, <laughs> Dre, Case Keenum, oh, we, the three of us talked about this kind of heading into the game, knowing that Case was going to start. I, I'm sure all three of us kind of had similar thoughts, but individually we probably thought of like, okay, 
All right, we'll, we'll see kind of how this goes. What were your thoughts about A, K starting, and then same question I asked D'Amico. What were your thoughts about K starting and then B, the results of what we got yesterday from him? Uh, I just thought he played <clears throat> played a game that they needed him to play. You know, don't try to do too much. Uh, everybody kind of pointed, well, the interception. Well, you go back and, and I guarantee in that film room, Dari's getting it this morning because it's zone coverage. You sit down in zone. You don't move. And until somebody engages you. And he had a spot where Case thought, okay, I'm going to check it down. And right as he's throwing the ball, he moves. And the defender's probably about four or five yards behind him. And it goes right into his chest. And now it's a foot race. But that's not on Case is the point I'm, I'm trying to make there. I thought he played a solid game. I thought he gave him exactly what, they, what uh, the team needed. He is the guy that knows this offense in and out. He prides himself on that. I think that's how Case makes teams. Uh, year in and year out, he just knows how to how to teach himself the system where he can now help a guy like C.J. Stroud. And the coaches see that they knew that he gave them the best chance to win and stay on this this playoff run, so to speak. And uh, and he delivered. All right. So after that game, I felt like I needed a cigarette, man. I mean, that was incredible. <laughs> And now, a day later, I'm thinking of the coaches and players now, Dre, where I feel like you need a bye after a game like that, but you don't get one. Yeah. You get Cleveland on Christmas Eve. Ooh. And here we are, back home, huge game. I mean, it's even bigger this week. Everything gets bigger this time of year. Holding it all together, and we don't know what the lineup is going to look like. Is CJ back or is he not? Does Nico come back? We all watched him down on the field workout before the game. Looked like he was pretty close. I'm pretty optimistic, but who knows? Your thoughts on preparing this week and psychologically moving past an emotional high that they had against Tennessee as they prepare for the Browns? Well, you don't want to move past it too much. <clears throat> you want to store some of it up because it gives you confidence that you can you, – any, any situation you can come out of. The NFL is about survival of the fittest. You know, who's left standing at the end of the season, who's the healthiest and can play because the talent level is so close. So the, the, more fit, the fittest team uh, usually gets through. That's, you know, guys that buy into taking care of their bodies, all of it, not the ones that go out – and celebrate wins because uh, eventually that kind of stuff catches up to you over over the course of the season. So the Texans are doing it the right way. I think they're going to get some players back this week. Uh, hopefully, Will will be back. Hopefully, CJ is back, uh, and uh, and you're at full strength or as close to full strength as you can get. Uh, George Fant, hopefully, he's back from the ankle injury, and uh, and you go you you come home against a solid Cleveland Browns team that that's playing some pretty good football right now, uh, and, you're, and you're ready to, to, uh, to take them on physically, uh, more so than, uh, than obviously mentally. Okay, this question is for both y'all. Mm -hmm. I've kind of thrown this at Mark a little bit. We kind of danced around this a little bit. Dre, on this day last year, mm -hmm. December 18, 2022, Jarek McKinnon ran in a touchdown for the Chiefs and gave the Chiefs mm -hmm. a win in overtime, and that put our record at 112-1. Gosh. What what if after that game I said to you, look, it's okay, it's all right, it's all right. On this date next year, we'll be eight and six. What would you two have thought and said to me at that particular moment? Dre, you go first. I probably probably would have told Mark we need to go check you in, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, Johnny, drugs are a bad thing. What are you doing? Uh, how about this? How about this? If I if we told you that. 
The record would be eight and six. D'Amico Ryan's is your head coach. You have the hottest quarterback in the league now. I need him play me yesterday. Up. I mean, Sign you, me up. but I would say what? Pinch me. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I still feel today. I walked into the building this morning with utter joy, mm -hmm. thinking once again, and I do this almost weekly. D'Amico Ryan's is our head coach. You know, yeah. even if the record right now wasn't as good, if it was six and eight, I'd still be saying D'Amico Ryan's is our Mark, head coach. We're in good hands. Think about how that used to feel mm. a couple of coaches ago <laughs> for everybody, secretaries, you know, security uh, guards, everybody uh, that was in uh, the bill. How, how did that feel uh, a few years ago as opposed to the way you feel right now going in that building? It's amazing how one person could make that big of a difference. I, I'm telling you right now that, and, and I won't say anything about anybody else, but I'll say this about D'Amico. He's a total game changer, but there are great people in this building. I think Nick Casario is a great person. Mm -hmm. I think that you look at how the McNairs are handling the situation, how they yep. were able to get D'Amico, all of it working together is phenomenal. And I've never really seen it quite like this. Now in 2011, it was great. It, there was something different about it. All right, fine. But there's just something about this, that mm -hmm. D'Amico is a homegrown product, and he's your head coach, and all of it's coming together like this. And I don't know where it goes. Maybe they flame out. But it's okay because they are way better than they were, and they're right. going places in the future. And when that future is, we'll all see together. Maybe it's immediate. Maybe it's next year. But they're clearly on the right path as an organization. Oh, there's no yeah. doubt about it. I think they, they certainly hit a home run, obviously, with D'Amico. Uh, and the, give him credit as well of bringing in coaches, competent coaches that are able to teach and, and get players to understand because that's coaching. You know, everybody can have a plan and a, and a book, a playbook the size of New York, a New York phone book and, try, you know, hey, learn this. With, and it's on you. Or if you don't learn it, you're not a pro. No, you've got to have guys that can teach first and foremost so that everybody understands it. How you call plays matters because 11 guys need to understand what their responsibilities are. And that's what this staff is. Uh, can they make adjustments in-game? Absolutely. They've proven that they've been able to do that uh, both on offense and defense to get a handle on things uh, at certain times during a game. So it's, it's refreshing to see it. I saw him pregame yesterday. He and um, Nick were having their pregame talk or whatever, and he mm -hmm. just exudes confidence where you believe in, in, in him as an individual and as a man and obviously as a coach of the Houston Texans. I just feel the word joy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'm, I'm unlike a lot of people. You know, I get to go into the locker room because I'm getting an interview at the at – the, uh, at the end of the game, you know, I got John Grenard yesterday, and he's freaking awesome. So I get to be in that locker room, and I get to see every face walk by me with a smile, whether it's a staff member or a coach or, you know, a player or whomever, just walking by me, shaking my hands, dapping me up, whatever, just such joy in how that went and what they're feeling. And I think losing to the Jets, it's like, man, I, that was that was as low as I've been all year and yet I thought back to everything that they've gone through and everything that they've done. And the, the key thing in all this is it's, a, it's a, always a moving target. It's always a moving target. And yet to move the target and keep moving it like, okay, well, can we win a game on the road? Can we win a division game? Can we beat the Jags? Can we beat the Steelers? 
Can we do these things? Can we have a winning streak? Uh, can our defense make stops? Can we win games at the end? Are we an exciting team? Like all these hurdles we've crossed, but we've done it with people in those positions. Like watching D'Amico and the defensive staff celebrate a John Grenard sack is freaking awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. It's yeah. freaking yeah. awesome. And Nick yeah. Casario, th- Nick Casario gets out his calculator every time Grenard gets another sack. Oh my gosh, there's another, <laughs> whatever it is. All right, so this weekend, folks. Now we got a Monday nighter tonight with Philly and the Seattle Seahawks, and that doesn't affect the Texans. But this weekend, plenty of action does. The Bengals will visit the Steelers. I don't know how they keep doing it, but they keep doing it. Jake Browning, are you kidding me? And yeah. I know the Steelers are reeling right now, 7-7, seven and seven, but I don't put it past them to beat the Bengals. I think they can do it. And the Colts will be at the Falcons. Would love the Falcons to try to do something dramatic there. I don't know if it can happen. The Colts are living on the edge every week as well. Dre, it's wild to see how many backup quarterbacks are playing in the league right now for contenders. I don't remember another time like this where you see a situation with so many reserves contributing to the cause. Yeah, I mean, you know, a guy like Gardner Minshew, who is mm-hmm. obviously the backup player now in Indianapolis, I, I don't know that I kind of count that as one because he's been a starter and he's been playing for so long <clears throat> and starting now this year for so many games that I don't know that I throw him into that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of in the middle of it, but I get what you're saying. And it is kind of kind of interesting that that's happened, but it goes back to, again, the survival of the fittest and who is healthiest at the end of the season. But these guys are actually chunking it around. Flacco's played. You know, I know he was sitting at home for a, the start of the season, and uh, and then now he's doing what he's doing. <clears throat> but he had been around football more recent than Deshaun and wow. playing and in a locker room more recent than Deshaun. Deshaun's got a long way to go. And now with this injury and trying mm-hmm. to come back with more time, he's not going to be the same player. He's and Just think about it from the standpoint on a much different level <clears throat> or maybe a similar level to Michael Vick when he came back. Was he ever the mm-hmm. same player, the magical mm-hmm. player that he was before, you know, having to, to sit down a little bit? And uh, he wasn't, but he was still a very good player. <clears throat> Tells you a lot about how good Michael Vick actually was. And I, I think the same, Deshaun's going to follow the same thing. It's nothing like facing it live every single week and then getting to game day and it, and it gets even faster. Um, sitting, having to rehab, now you got to teach yourself to throw. All of it is, is going to set him back tremendously. So it'll be interesting uh, going forward what happens in Cleveland, especially with Flacco inserted in and they're winning and on a playoff run. The locker room, the team, the coaches, all of that will play a part in it when Deshaun comes back. Can I interest you in a Flacco number? How about this? Yes. Games with 250 pass yards and two-plus touchdowns. Joe Flacco, the last three weeks, has three of them. Jeez. Mm. The Steelers, since Big Ben retired. Zero. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Wow. Yeah, it's 250 rough. and two touchdowns. CJ does that in a half. It's rough. I'll tell yeah. you what, Oh, man. A lot of teams but are on the ropes. we need the ropes. Steelers this weekend. Need them. Yeah, Pittsburgh on the ropes. The Jags are kind of on the ropes here with uh, Trevor Lawrence and the concussion protocol. Drake, what do you have going on in college this week? Any bowls? Yeah, traveling up to Fort Worth, <clears throat> excuse me, for the armed forces with uh, James Madison, who is who got in mm. at, with an 11-1 and record. I think it's ridiculous yep. that, you know, if you, if you join a conference, if you're allowed in, 
hey, whatever happens, happens. You get to play right away instead right. of, you know, penalty period where you got to sit. What, but luckily they, for guys, them, what, there weren't. Stupid. Go ahead. Why do they even do that? Because I don't know. they act like it's an advantage. No, you're disadvantaged automatically. Try to move up. However, they exactly have clearly right. excelled. But let them play, and you need yep. the bowl games or bowl game participants anyway. Go ahead. So you got JMU, and then yeah, and they're playing uh, Air Force, who's obviously we know Ooh. their head coach Troy Calhoun. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see that matchup. Uh, James Madison comes in. 11 and one and at one point mm. they were ranked as high as like i think 17th in the country so it uh it, it it'll that's an interesting matchup they're fantastic against the run i think only allowing like 61 yards a game and mm. air force comes in and that's all they want to do is run the thing so uh it'll be a fast quick game and then i'll be right back here in, in the houston uh to, to get ready for uh sunday with the texans and browns can't wait. Browns, Texans, noon kick at NRG, Christmas Eve day. You get the game in, you get the win, you go home, you have your Christmas Eve festivities, and then you got Monday to celebrate Christmas or whatever holidays you're going to celebrate. All of that happening. Busy, busy week. But it was great for Dre to join us. Some great insight and what we had a lot of fun on the broadcast yesterday. And like I said earlier, Dre's from Dickinson. I'm from Richmond Rosenberg. It hits a little different. It hits a little different. All I know is H-Town came out with a win. Oilers, Titans, didn't matter. They both took an L yesterday. Uh, Oilers has an L in it, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, well. Andy Clue had some things to say about that as well. We'll talk to him next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And before we get to our pal, N.D. Kalu, a little bit of news about the Texans, and it actually includes yesterday's opponent. And I talked about this guy, actually, this this particular week. I was talking about him um, this week, and that is Tier Tart from the Tennessee Titans. Adam Schefter, I've, he was the first I saw. I could be wrong, but it could be Aaron Wilson. But either way. I'm reading Schefter's tweet. Houston Texans have claimed former Titans starting defense tackle Tier Tart on waivers. He is a huge human being. Although I think he's only listed like 310 pounds, he's big and can move. And the Texans now have him having claimed him under waivers. The Titans released him during the week. And so now Tier Tart, a Houston Texan. Very interesting. It's funny because I was talking to Mark yesterday. We were kind of talking uh, on the mic, kind of off, you know, before the game started. And I was like, man, they released here. Tardy goes, yeah, I saw that earlier in the week. And I just said those words. I thought, hmm, interesting. And then I kind of dropped it. We got into the game, and I didn't think much about it later. But at the time, I remember thinking, hmm. And lo and behold, Texans have made a waiver claim. They made a waiver claim on Derek Barnett. That's worked out really, really well. Uh, they signed Adrian Amos after he was released by the New York Jets. So a lot of things going on with some veterans, and you never know when you need that veteran influence. So Tier Tart claimed on waivers by the Houston Texans. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, uh, but you take a shot on a very talented, big, athletic guy. And you can't have enough big, athletic, football-playing human beings, and Tier Tart joins the squad very soon. Indy Kalu used to be 
a Houston Texan football player. He will always be a Houston Texan. And he joined me and Mark, and we had a really fun discussion with ND. Take a listen. What is it about a team that rallies together? We talked about it. They would need to do it. They had no C.J. Stroud, no a lot of things. But they go up there and they get the victory. What did you think of what you saw yesterday? Great team win. You know, when you talk about your all-star quarterback out, your number one wide receiver out, your number two wide receiver, if you want to call Tank Dell that out, your best defensive player, Will Anderson, out, then you go on the road and you win a game like that, a game that matters for both teams. Uh, You know, I just felt like that was a huge team win, especially with how they embarrass themselves against the New York Jets. You know, when you talk about good teams, good teams are going to lose in a 17-game season, but how do you respond after those losses? I just thought this was a great response and a great win. Indy defensively, seven sacks, uh, holding Henry to nine yards. As you're watching that, and I, I know I'm watching on the sidelines, just wait, I'm waiting for that one run where I'm like, oh, God, he's just going to like plunge the dagger in our hearts, especially in a close game, and yet it never, it never came. What was your thought watching the defensive front in particular, getting after Levis, slowing down Henry? What would you think of the front? I mean, what can you think outside of awesome job? Because they didn't just get it done when it comes to playing the run. They, like you mentioned, the seven sacks, Jonathan Grenard having a Pro Bowl type season with 12 and a half sacks on the year. You know, that one guy, when he's healthy, he's productive. He, he's already played in more games uh, this season as he has in his entire four year career. So he's one of those guys. His uh, availability is his best ability because he can play when he's out there. But just great team defense up front. When you hold a guy like Derrick Henry to nine yards, that's definitely something that you're going to talk about, something you're going to appreciate because he is one of the best and he has crushed the Texans over the last five games. Andy, no doubt Davis Mills is a good teammate. Keenum gets the start. They have to go through whatever dynamics they have to go through to get to the understanding, okay, this is good for the football team. Let's see how it plays out. How does it affect the rest of the team psychologically when Keenum is in the hole? He's the guy calling signals, a veteran like that, and the way the team feels about him. Going through the situation they're going through, you and I have talked about C.J. Stroud and the effect he has on the defense because everybody's pumped up. What about what Keenum does to the team in this context, in this situation? You know, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I didn't even think or know that it was going to be a question when C.J. Stroud was out. I just assumed, okay, Case Keenum is going to be your starter because he, he's the type of guy with what he's done in the league, with the way he carries himself, with the respect that he has, not just from the his Texan teammates, but around the NFL. When you insert him as a starting quarterback, yes, we know C.J. Stroud has a higher ceiling, is a better quarterback right now in their career. But Keenum's that type of guy that everybody rallies around and everybody says, hey, we still have a chance. So I was actually surprised early in the week where – it was like, hey, who's going to be the, the quarterback with C.J. Stroud out? I just assumed it was going to be Case Keenum because of the tangibles and intangibles that he has. And he, he's a guy that he's already proven he could win big games in the NFL, and he understands his role as a backup. So with Davis Mills, yeah, good teammate. He's still getting a check, so he, he still requires to do what they ask him to do. But I just always felt like if C.J. Stroud goes down, this is Case Keenum's team. Andy, I don't know if at any point in your career you had an, an extended, like beyond normal uh, time where you missed playing. And, and I bring this up because Charlie Heck yesterday played right tackle every single snap. And Charlie had not played 
football since week 18 against the Colts last year. Like, no training camp, no physical training camp practices, none of that. I don't know if that ever happened for you during your career. I feel like that needs to be mentioned a lot more just because when you don't play football for that long and you're able to step on a field, and he gave up one sack and Case kind of rolled into it, but either way, you didn't hear Charlie's name. He He had a twitch on a false start other than that. They ran the ball well, and Charlie played every single time. How how amazing really is that for Charlie to have gone a whole entire year, almost a calendar year, not playing football, and then show up and play the number of plays and play as well as he did? You know what? I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah, I spent a year on IR when I tore my ACL, and then the next year, you know, I was inserted back into the starting lineup. And it took me about six or seven games, as long as that sounds, to really feel like, okay, mm-hmm. I can go out there and do this. So, when I saw Charlie Heck, when I saw that name Heck in the huddle, I was like, oh, uh-oh. You know, they're going to insert him back into the starting lineup. He's going to get extended playing time. And he held his own. I watched him very closely. It just goes to show how he uh, uh, how he approached his rehab, how he approached getting back in football shape, because I was expecting them to expose him. I was expecting him to, you know, have multiple offsides penalties, multiple uh, sacks that he gave up as he was knocking off the rust. And I thought he was very solid. And this is a guy that I felt he could easily be a good swing tackle for the Texans for years to come. But look, I'm not, there's no controversy here, but he's shown that he might be able to be a, a starter in the NFL with the way he bounced back from that injury. And for his first game back to play the way he did against a pretty salty defensive front. And the Devin Singletary was terrific, 121 yards, 4.7 per pop, had the big catch and run to set them up in field goal range in overtime. And we're not seeing much of Damian Pierce. He had one carry yesterday. I still think there's a lot to Pierce. But Singletary is just hot right now in this system on a day when you know you needed to run it, and they knew it too, and you were able to do it against a pretty decent run defense Your thoughts on how they handle the running back situation moving forward here as you get down the stretch with these final three games in the regular season? The the experiment's over. I mean, I appreciate Damian Pierce for what he did as a rookie. When they signed Devin Singletary, and I'm not saying this hindsight 2020, but I remember bringing up saying, hey, this is an under-the-radar nice signing with Devin Singletary. Just watch what he did at Buffalo. Just If you didn't have a chance to watch him play, just go look at his stats. I mean, this is a guy that – a team could have brought him in to be your starter without even having him to battle anybody in training camp. But I do believe that with what Damian Pierce did last year, I understand and appreciate why they weren't so willing to just take the ball away from him. But the experiment's over. You you have to win these last few games. You you have to go undefeated in the last three games if you truly want to have that real shot of getting into the playoffs. Devin Singletary has shown up this entire season when you've given him the opportunity. I feel like he not only does he need to be the starter, he needs to get the huge bulk of the carries moving forward. Indy, we talked about this a lot. I know a lot of people in Houston talked about it a lot because of the whole jersey thing, you know, the Titans wearing the Oilers jerseys and, and all that kind of stuff. As a player, obviously you're not from that particular city. In some cases you are, but a lot, a lot of cases you're playing, you know, you played in Philly. You, you weren't from Philly. Um, for as a player, do you kind of channel that in in some way, kind of channel the way the fans are feeling into the way you feel about that particular team? I mean, you think the guys yesterday kind of sensed 
how much that, that it actually meant to a lot of people in Houston. Does that even come into play for players, or is it just I go out, do my job, no matter who's on the other side, no matter what they're wearing, et cetera? Do you kind of take a little bit of that into your game, um, maybe in some ways, shape, or form? You, you know, I think the fans want to hear, yes, you do. And, and it's funny, right. I was thinking about <laughs> right. the, the victory, and it felt like it was more for the fans than anybody because mm. the fans, when they saw the, the Oiler uniforms representing Tennessee, I know that really was a gut punch. But most of these players, John, they, they don't even know what love you blue means, what it stands <laughs> right. for. They probably think, right. It's it's some crip gang call when you hear "Love You Blue" and, and you know you're throwing up some gang sign. But well, you you know the the fans that are over thirty, I think this victory was mainly for them because mm. even me, I mean, as a player, you're not really a former player. You're not really a fan of any one team. But I'm from San Antonio. I grew up watching Warren Moon, watching Lamar yep. Latham, watching Blaine Bishop with those powder blue uniforms on, and to see that those uniforms were being represented by Tennessee, freaking Tennessee. That that was tough to watch. So I don't know if the players – I mean, they've heard it. You know, they heard about it. They're on social media. They understand that it's a slap in the face. But I don't think it truly resonated with them. But I'm so happy they got that victory because I feel like this, for the fans, take the records out, take everything away, the playoff implications out. But I think that was huge for the fans to kind of shove it back in the face of the ownership for the Tennessee Titans for, you know, doing what they did. You know who we need to talk to? People from Baltimore. People from Baltimore in the 80s who would see the Colts play, Mm -hmm. but they didn't get the Ravens for a long time, well, till the mid-90s, right? So what was it like for them in the mid to late 90s as Ravens playing the Colts in Baltimore or even on the road in Indianapolis when you see that Colt uniform because of everything it meant to Baltimore? Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any other equivalent. The Rams leaving L.A.? uh, No, because in St. Louis, there was no other L.A. team to play, Right. Right. Uh, the Raiders, well, they've lived everywhere. I, they're vagabonds. Right, you know, right. I don't know if it and, – and the Raiders – the L.A. Raider fans still feel like the Raiders belong to them in mm-hmm. a sense, right? Yep. It's still a California Absolutely. team. It's Vegas. It's close enough. It's all one big region. We still have them. Is there anything else I'm missing here? Because when the Ravens go to Baltimore and the Browns play them, I think they sting a lot because you see Ozzie Newsom in charge and things like that, and they still feel like the Browns organization. That probably stings the Browns fans because the Browns know – the Browns fans knew what they had. Yeah. And that was a team that went, when they went to Baltimore, they ended up winning a championship with Ray Lewis a few years later. So right. there was right. some of that. Yeah, and Ozzie's prominent, and Modell still owns the team and everything. But, Andy, I, don't, I can't think of anything else, but – I'm with you. When I saw, and look, I didn't live here when the Oilers were here, but I was feeling it. I could feel it just by looking at the uniform, how strange it is that this other city is wearing the uniform because, yeah, they're Titans now. Everybody's accepted that. They moved. They're Titans. Let's go. But, and they have some of the Columbia blue in their uniform. I get it. But that was a weird dynamic for sure. All right, let's talk about Joe Flacco and well, the Cleveland quick, Browns. But it's All not right, just ahead. the uniform. It's not just the. I just want to make this point. It's not yeah, just sure. the uniform. But when you think of Love You Blue, you think of the individuals that we say these are Houston knowns for Mike Vrabel, mm. and I have a lot of respect mm. for Vrabel to go out with the Bump Phillips hat. That yep. was like adding Ooh. salt to the wound hmm. because when you think Bump Phillips, you think Houston. You you think 
kick yep. in the door and everything that he's done yep. so iconic for for Houston. It, it's not just the uniform, but it's also like you're saying, hey, we're also stealing your individual sports stars, whether it be coaches and players. I was just hoping that they didn't wheel out Earl Campbell, you, you know, on their behalf. He, he, because they was, there. he, he was, was there. there. He, he was, was there. there. He was there pregame. On their on the, from like on their side. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was Earl, taking pictures he, with Eddie George and uh, Derrick Henry. Yeah. They Earl was there, and they honored uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson. And I don't know if I said it on the show, but I I might have said it during the game. Billy White Shoes Johnson played half his career at Atlanta. They had Atlanta in the building earlier this season, mm-hmm. and they were wearing the Oreo yeah, uniforms. That would have been a good day to honor Billy White Shoes Johnson, who wow. played half his career in Atlanta. But anyway, they did what they did. And I'm glad they honor the former Oilers. That's nice for, for the players. I, I salute that for the players. It's just weird for the fans. It felt like uh, it just felt like a troll, and it was a troll, and the Texans won the game. All right, Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. A sentence I didn't think I'd be saying earlier this season, but here they are on Christmas Eve. Flacco threw three picks yesterday, but he also threw well over 300 yards, and the Browns got another improbable win over the Chicago Bears. Catch the freaking Hail Mary, Bears. Help us out. They didn't. <laughs> what do you think, Andy, as you face Cleveland Sunday? You know what's scary about Cleveland? They remind me a lot of the Houston Texans lately, where your quarterback's not giving you great play, but the defense is picking it up. And because of great team play, you're still winning the game. This game makes me nervous. Like you mentioned, Flacco throwing three interceptions, but because of Miles Garrett and the rest of those guys on defense, because uh, David Njoku has taken his game to another level, they're tied in, they're, they're, they're still winning games. This is going to be a very tough game. And before the season, everybody circled this game because of the Deshaun, uh, what's his name? Deshaun Watson factor. But now they're circling the game because you're going to have two good teams with winning records uh, playing each other for playoff implications. So a, a strong team that's coming into town. The players respect the Cleveland Browns. I just want the fans to realize, like, hey, th- this is a big game because they have some t- talented players that are picking up their game even though they don't have that consistent play at the quarterback position. Andy, rushing the quarterback, when you face a guy like Levis, you know he can move, he's a strong guy, etc. Joe Flacco, you know X marks the spot. That's where he's going to be. Are those games easier for a pass rusher or are they more difficult for a pass rusher because the offensive line makes adjustments and you sometimes those mobile quarterbacks will run right into your arms. Guys that are sitting in the pocket, you got to work to get there. Is it tougher to go against the statue or is it more frustrating to go against the statue? No, you, 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 I mean, you lay your ears back and you love it. You, you love going against <laughs> the guys that are pocket passers. And it doesn't take anything away from them. Uh, you know, Tom Brady wasn't, uh, you know, fleet of foot. And he's one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks ever play. But those are the quarterbacks you say, hey, now I can focus on beating the man in front of me. But when you play a Will Levis, when you play a, a mobile quarterback, not only do you focus on beating the man in front of you, then you have to make sure that you're right back in your uh, rush lanes to make sure you don't give up any uh, break. Contain- you don't allow him to break containment or to go through the rushing lanes. But, no, for a guy like Flacco, who's had a great career, Will Anderson, if he's back, Jonathan Grenard, I mean, they're, they're licking their chops right now. All right, Andy, on the player show tomorrow, you have Kaimi Nua Aalua Mekiikioki Kumupaa Fairbairn as a guest. He's going to be AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, and I want you to ask him about how golf helps him kick. Among other things, the rest is yours. All the rest I, of the questions, will, you and Drew. I, I will make that the number one question. <laughs> Man, you know Mark's got to get a golf question in, especially with Kaimi. Apparently, he can, he can drill it. 
Apparently, he is a really, really good golfer. I guess kickers and quarterbacks make for good golfers. I don't know. Uh, but we'll find out because Indy is going to have Kaimi on the Players Show alongside Drew. That's going to be a fun, fun time. Also fun is when the general stops by. John McClain joins us next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. Honest, wonderful Monday. Hopefully you're enjoying it wherever you are. My name is John Harris. I'm your host. Blano Salam, reporter for your Houston Texans. Glad you're with me. It's time to catch up with the general, John McClain. He joins us every Monday, every Thursday. Love having the general on. So here's Mark, me, and the general. Let's go. Boy, you have some perspective on this. What were your feelings, your reactions, seeing those Oiler unis, the whole scene play out yesterday as the Texans went up there with Case Keenum at quarterback and got the victory? I think the Texans showed them where they could stick all that Columbia blue and made sure they have a Columbia blue Christmas. It was, to me, (laughs) under the circumstances with missing so many players, the most impressive performance of the season, the most physical by the defense. They just manhandled Will Levis. They knocked him down. 11 times, sacked him seven times, the most since 2016, 12 tackles for loss. And no matter what, Case Keenum, Devin Singletary, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz did, nothing was more impressive than what they did to Derrick Henry after averaging 203.6 yards and 7.1 a carry over the last five games. He touched the ball 20 times for 10 yards. He had more catches than anybody on the team, four for one yard, not to mention 16 carries for nine yards. That is the most impressive run defense I've ever seen the Texans have. I wrote a column last week that I thought they would finally contain Henry because they've been playing great run defense, and they play great pass defense. Just what a performance. Nine of the last 10 decided by seven or fewer points and all of those nine decided in the last 30 seconds and they're six and three which tells you a lot about the moxie this team and this coaching staff have how many road division wins in a row is that mark is that what did we figure out that's because oh you beat the jags you beat this these guys you beat the colts titans you were three last year five in a row i think it's six that's six in a row because it goes back to 2021 yeah yeah it goes back to 2021 so the jags in december Mm -hmm. goes back to six in a row on on the road on the the road how about that there are a lot of numbers to get excited about general there's no question and you just brought them all up with the with the defense case keenum starting all right let's go there Case Keenum starting was, I would imagine, a pretty big surprise to a lot of people. Your thoughts about, A, the decision to start Case, and B, the results of what Case was able to do yesterday? It shocked me. I thought it was going to be Davis Mills. Mills won in Tennessee last year. He had a great game as a rookie against the Titans. He'd been the backup. He'd played. But D'Amico Ryan said, we thought it gave us the best chance to win. And Case has started only two games in four years. But Boy, you know, he's already proved he's a miracle worker with the Vikings, and he kind of did it again with that pass to Dalton Schultz in which he made an incredible catch and then having to scramble and find Devin Singletary, who did a tremendous job. But, you know, it's like Case – D'Amico said Case told his teammates it's in my first rodeo. And he said – Case said, I'm made for that. And so he is. So now – I think if C.J. Stroud's unable to play against Cleveland, then uh, people will feel safe with Case. 
and he'll play even better because now that he has his game behind him, and uh, and but he's going to be going up a, against a really tough defense and and a quarterback who's actually older than he is. Joe Flacco turns mm. thirty nine next month. Yeah, what do you think of what's happening here in the division? You have a three way tie for first now with the Jags sliding. And you have the Colts still winning. Man, those Colts are so, they're beyond pesky. They are a total nuisance. What do you think? I think that Anthony Richardson get hurt, getting hurt has helped put them in position to win the division. He had only had 13 starts in college. He was struggling. He'd gotten hurt. If he'd have been in, I don't think they'd be in the playoff race because he'd be learning. And uh, I think with Minshew, who was familiar with Shane Steichen's system coming from Philadelphia, and he's been a multi-year starter. He was the ideal backup for them. He's playing very well. And uh, they, the, I thought maybe, just maybe the Steelers would win that game, and they jumped out ahead and then just stunk it up big time. But it's a great race. Jaguars are reeling. Trevor Lawrence is in a concussion protocol, and uh, that could bode poorly for them. So, it's gonna that I think it's gonna come down to that last game for the second year in a mm. row. It's gonna have big time significance just for the opposite reason. Yeah, that's we kind of buried the lead. We were talking about that playoffs and all this. Colts, Jags, and Texans tied atop the <laughs> they're tied atop the AFC South. Listen to what we're saying. A year ago, we were one twelve and one. Yeah. We were, we were talking about we came close against the Chiefs and Cashman's sack, and, oh, my God, I thought we were going to do it. We're 112-1, and one, and now we're talking about being tied with the Jaguars. And at that point, General, how much trouble are the Jaguars in having lost three in a row? Now they go to Tampa with Trevor Lawrence in the concussion protocol, and obviously we experienced that last week. And C.J. Beathard ain't Case Keenum. Your thoughts about what Jacksonville's facing? I think uh, Baker Mayfield's coming off maybe the best game of his career, four touchdowns, uh, a rating in the 150s, I think, at Green Bay. And they're trying to win the division right now. Who would pick against them? It's going to be them or it's going to be New Orleans. I saw the odds are that the Bucks have the best chance, and they got a good chance to win this game, even if Trevor Lawrence is playing. Now, the Jaguars have been better on the road than at home. But right now, they're not playing well at the worst time you can do it. You know, the Texans in crunch time, Texans, as, as D'Amico Ryan said, they had a bitter taste in their mouth after that Jets performance. He said, that's not the kind of team we are, and they proved it. And it's people say, well, it was the Titans. Well, you know what? Titans were coming off an incredible victory at Miami. They were sky high. Everything was going for them. And, boy, the Texans really – Stuck it to him by pulling it out, led by the miracle worker, Case Keenum. Too early to tell what's going to happen with the Titans in the offseason, how they're going to shape things. They've been officially eliminated from playoff contention with that loss yesterday. But what do you think moving forward here? Obviously, Vrabel's there, but is Levis the guy? They have a lot of questions going into this offseason, General. Yeah, they believe Levis is definitely the guy. They don't have any quarterback issues. Rabel's not going anywhere. Rand Cawthorn, who's finishing his first year's GM now. They may change some coaches because yesterday, Tim Kelly and that offense, they just they were terrible. That avalanche of sacks led by Jonathan Grenard. Every time I see Jonathan Grenard, 
two and a half sacks, three knockdowns of Levis, a tackle for loss. I hear the cash register ringing. Well, to be blunt, John's not the only one. I'll just leave it at that. There are a lot of people hearing that cash register ring when JG's got a sack, and there are people pushing hard for him to return, no doubt. Me included. I'd love to see JG back. I want to see you back with us tomorrow. Loaded shows tomorrow. You got matchup. You got player show. Uh, you got all access. You got all kinds of things going on tomorrow. So be with us again, celebrating well what this football team has been able to do all year long, getting ready for the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. We'll see you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.